Hello, Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here once again, and we are in another one of our weekly interviews with a business owner um, or someone who, that has found their freedom. So we're going to talk with Chris Lilomi today, or Lilomia today. Um, so Chris is uh, a, he basically has created a handyman business many, many years ago and uh, went from the corporate world, went from a, a high-end corporate job to starting his own business. So we're going to share his story today. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. I got the last name right. You did all right. So we go by Lomia or Lalomia, either one. But you you nailed it. You got it. Yeah. Kind of like me. It's Kickle or Keikel. I just answered them both. So. Exactly right. <laughs> you I'm good with that one, too. That's exactly right. Well, Chris, uh, let's get started because you have a very interesting story. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your career path here of how it's gone. So I'm born and raised in Michigan. Uh, I have my uh, master's degree in mechanical engineering, went to work in uh, the aerospace manufacturing world in Charlotte, North Carolina, of all places. Um, but I've always wanted to run my own business and realized I knew nothing about business. Uh, and so I could either go back in the MBA and learn about it, or I could jump into the world where people could help and teach me. So I chose that one because also I could make money doing it instead of paying people to teach me. And I went to work for a company called Accenture, which was Anderson Consulting at the time, and found my way into financial services doing merger acquisition work uh, and doing all the process work around it. So nothing to do with engineering whatsoever, but learned a lot around business. Uh, so just like a lot of people, my my path to where I am today is very circuitous. Uh, it's all over the board. Uh, I ended up at SunTrust Banks in Atlanta, Georgia, and I uh, was running a commercial loan operations department of 400 people uh, at the age of 33. I had that, that job. Felt like I had made it. I was intoxicated, got a lot of money. I got the job. I had the suits. I had the car. I had the office, the corner. I had everything that people thought was great. Uh, then I picked my head up about five years later and said, man, I am not doing anything I like doing at all. And I hate it. And I came home and told my wife, I said, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm leaving. She's like, whoa, 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 Sparky. You better come up with a plan because we got, there's a lot of people counting on you, including these three, these three people in this house. So... Um, I investigated a lot of different businesses. Um, I was actually in 2006 and seven uh, looking to buy a business. I felt like I'd be better at that. Um, and then, uh, just like a lot of things, uh, I decided to go a different route. And so I started my own handyman business in 2008 called The Trusted Toolbox mm -hmm. in Metro Atlanta. Uh, not knowing that the recession was coming, knowing there's going to be a little bit of a pullback. That was the quote from the economist at the time who I was working with. Um, but uh, so I, I ran full long into the head recession and started a handyman business in 2008. Uh, today in 2023, here we are. Uh, I have 40 employees. Uh, we're just going to crest over 5 million in revenue. And uh, we do remodeling of bathrooms, kitchens, and decks, as well as uh, I have 15 handymen that work for me in the Metro Atlanta area. That is awesome. What a cool story. So let's talk about that that jump into the handyman business in 2008. Uh, a lot of people might be thinking about starting a business right now. Uh, what lessons did you learn during that first recession that you kind of <laughs> literally dove into feet first? Yeah, I, I learned that uh, your assumptions get your assumptions get tested very quickly. Uh, okay. And one thing, and I use this a lot. Here's my piece of advice. Put your pro forma together. Have somebody looking at it. I thought I was doing a good job of having mentors look at my business plan before I made my leap into the wild world of small business ownership. But if you can take your pro forma and then take your revenue, time, uh, multiply it by 0.5 or put it in half, 
take your expenses and multiply that by two or double it. If you still think you got a good business, then you're in because that's about what happened. Uh, I thought it was going to take me 16 months to break even, figured I'd be a millionaire in about three years. Here I am 14 years later, not even close to that number, uh, but uh, be a profitable, have a good living and doing things I want to do. So when you jump into it, the recession actually taught me a lot of things. I had to tighten up my processes very quickly. It also kept me from growing up probably a little bit too quicker, uh, too quickly rather. You know, Warren Buffett says that, you know, being bigger isn't always better. Being better is better. And um, I'm learning that now because today we're starting to grow. Um, this will be this year, uh, year over year, 22 to 21 will be about a 15% growth. Um, but we're getting bigger and we're getting better. Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, you've, you've grown over the years. I mean, how, how fast did you grow to where you are today? Was it, you know, at the beginning kind of slow and then took off or, or is it just gradual? It has not been gradual. It's like you said, it, it started out, um, I got to four or five uh, handymen. Um, I was doing most of the estimating and the scheduling at the time. I uh, got to six, seven, eight handyman. And then I said, boy, I need somebody to help me in the office um, because I always had one lady in the office answering the phones for me. Um, and then so I brought in an operations manager to do the scheduling and the operations work and support uh, while I was out doing the sales with the sales team. Um, and that's where it's really started to build on itself. I, I've heard, uh, I, I'd love to be able to test this out, is that growing from five to 10 is a lot easier than growing from zero to two million uh, because I can promise you growing from zero to two was very, very hard. It's very difficult. <laughs> Starting from scratch. Yeah. So um, you are in the people business, in-person business. Uh, how was the, the wonderful world of COVID for you guys? So that was an interesting experience as well. Uh, I felt like one of the things that it did uh, serve me well was that I grew my business through the recession. And as I grew up, I also knew how I could be able to go backwards if I needed to. Now, nobody ever wants to talk about going backwards, right? That's boring. It's horrible. You feel like you're failing. Trust me, I went through all three of those things in my head. But I knew how to ride it up, and I also knew how to ride it back down and keep a viable business when COVID first hit, and it was a wild world, man. I was the first one to deny it. You know, they say the three stages of truth. First, you ignore it. Second, you vehemently deny it. And then you accept it as intuitively obvious. Um, I went from that in just seven short days. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made my cuts quick. Um, we were able to open up uh, pretty quickly here in Georgia. So it's the rest of the world and most of the uh, country went. We were ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. So we were able to build it back. And then I got that thing called PPP, which is nobody's ever said, hey, I'm the government. I'm here to help. And you say, oh, let me open that door and let me help. Oh, yeah. please help. <laughs> so I didn't think that was going to happen. But then I did. So all the people I had laid off, all the people I had cut back salaries, I paid everybody back, got them back to full staff. And then we've been running. And then I said, again, innocently and uh, naively, I, for the first time ever, I was in the right business. <laughs> what happened next? Supply chain issues, couldn't find people to work. So uh, I've had to solve even more problems since then. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's basically business is problem solving all the time, right? If you're not waking up in the morning thinking you're going to solve some problems, you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, what it took to really be successful. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have talked, you know, I, I, I mean, we've had people on that have done your type of business before. I don't think at the level. What uh, what did it take to be a successful handyman business? Because it's a little bit different from just being a plumber or just being an electrician. 
hundred percent. You know, I actually know some other business owners and a garage store a friend of mine. He owns a, a very large garage store installation and maintenance business. He said, you know, I am so glad I know you because I now find somebody who has a harder business to run than me. <laughs> and that's the hard part about being a handyman business. We can do a lot of different things in the houses, yeah. but nobody's ever an expert. And I can't just be an electrician. I can't just be a plumber. Um, you have to have specialties in carpentry and drywall and problem solving of different things. And so the hard part about running a handyman is getting your your employees to actually work like you want them to work and how you would want to be a customer facing uh, and a customer experience freak like I am. Yeah. Uh, and that has been probably the hardest part is taking these lone wolves and inviting them into your wolf pack, as I call it, and then trying to get my skilled tradesmen to understand that by doing great customer service, it makes your job easier and you actually get more personal and professional satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you hire for like a handyman business? I mean, do they all individual skilled or are they more, you know, a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. One of the things I found with my guys is that they like doing something different every day, like an artist. They don't just want to do electrical. They just don't want to do HVAC. They really want to do uh, a little bit of drywall and then maybe some carpentry, but using their brains and their skills and their tools uh, together to create this art that we call a finished product in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we do is I did. I, I came from the corporate world. I tried all kinds of behavioral interviewing techniques. I'm sure you know all about it. And I found I was getting nowhere. And so what I do is, uh, in today's world, I tell them what the experience is going to be like here, uh, what the opportunity is. I basically am selling the company to them. And then they come work with one of my best guys uh, for a while. And then we see if it's a good fit for both of us. And then we do a great job right now of onboarding. I say a great job, even though we're getting ready to revamp the whole thing because we think we got to be even better. Uh, but we onboard them in our customer experience, our processes, what, what it looks like to be here and what they can expect as an employee while they're out there doing the things that they did before as a handyman, maybe on their own. And many of these yeah. guys never have resumes. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, because they're usually out working on their own, doing little projects and, you know, one one to the next. So um, what do you find, you know, has it been difficult as of recent? I mean, I know a lot of other business owners I know. I've been struggling to find skilled tradesmen and stuff like that. Has that been a, a challenge or is it getting better? Or? Getting better since the middle of 22. Um, I've started to see more and more people kind of come out of the woodwork, as it were. But uh, this myth that people just don't want to work, that for me, that wasn't what I saw. What I saw was that there was so much work abundantly available to guys, word of mouth, mm -hmm. they could do it. But what these guys don't want to do is all the extra work, and that is the collections, the invoicing, maybe getting somebody to help them. Uh, to find them. So I found the middle of 22, things started to lighten up uh, a little bit because I think of the looming recession, the fears. I think some of the slowdowns that we're seeing are people who aren't willing to maybe take a chance on a handyman that, you know, of course, we don't have to be licensed in what we do. Maybe they will do a good job. Maybe they won't. Um, so people are willing to pay for that security. Uh, and knowing that we're going to stand behind our work and we're a real business, they're willing to pay what they would feel as a premium for our service. Yeah, absolutely. How's the uh, how's the supply chain part of it? It's starting to loosen up. I'm seeing some uh, good spots. You know, great example is Sherwin Williams is probably one of my favorite paints. And you mentioned that you're out of Texas. You remember that big freeze that happened in Texas? Yep. Well, that shut down Sherwin Williams primary to uh, production plants. <laughs> and so, uh, and that was nothing to do with COVID. It had everything to do with something else. And so, yeah. back to solving problems. Um, we just are seeing all the Sherman Williams products coming back and being available. Uh, wow. Windows that were coming in 
uh, usually at four and five weeks, went to 15 to 20 weeks to wait Ooh. windows. We're starting to see those come back to about 10, mm. still not to the five we saw before. So it's kind of hit or miss, you know. Um, you know, we use Home Depot here in Atlanta because we're, we're in their backyard and you've got so many Home Depots, uh, but they have a great app. And now that app says whether or not that thing's in stock. And that has been a huge lifesaver for us. <laughs> okay, I can find it there. Right, right okay. I can find it. Yeah, instead of trying to run around and piece it together from four different depots just to put five deck boards down. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so 13 years in business, what do you attribute your success to? I would say um, two things. One, um, perseverance, uh, stick-to-itiveness. Second thing is I'm more optimistic than I thought I was. Um, <laughs> I, I will tell you this, uh, and I've shared this before. There are probably at least two different times I probably should have shut the business down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just felt like if I just get through this next payroll, I can get there. If I just get that next job, I'll get there. And I stuck with it. Uh, in hindsight, uh, I guess that's a good thing. Um, again, back to, you know, we're going to talk about what success or freedom looks like. You know, you really have to paint that picture. And, and for me, you know, I got into it saying, I'm going to make a million dollars a year. Well, I'm not even close to that, guys. <laughs> I told you about my vanity line, but let me tell you, this is a low net business. It's hard to run. The sanity line is a little, little, little lower than everybody thought, uh, or at least this guy did. So I think the optimism and stick to this and willing to solve problems uh, is what got me to where I would say today, I would say I, I feel successful. You, you told the universe the wrong thing. You told the universe you wanted to make a million dollars a year. You didn't say that you wanted to keep a million dollars a year. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not keeping anywhere near that. So, and so for me, um, yeah, money is, uh, is an important thing. You know, people say it's not, but that is not what motivates me day in and day out. I found that uh, once I get motivated on the right things, uh, good things start to happen. Uh, and as opposed to sitting there at eight o'clock in the morning going, okay, how am I going to come up with cash and do all yeah. this? And how am I going to make a dollar? If I just get out there and got back to what made my business successful and that's empowering my team and leading my team to provide a great customer service and experience, and then we start to see good things happen. That's brilliant. Well, what's uh, what's new in your business now? See, the new things will be just uh, how we adapt to what's coming on uh, with all the new things. Uh, customer service in our space, we get a pass as contractors or even as they say in Australia, treaties. You know, mm-hmm. if you've, you've had work done at your house and sometimes you're like, hey, guy, the guy showed up and maybe it's a little dirty. Maybe it wasn't clean. Maybe it wasn't communicating with you enough. You, you kind of gave him a pass and go, well, at least he's here. You know, I'll give him a break because he knows what he's doing. I'm starting to see that 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 pass is starting to go away. And in today's world, if you go out and go to a restaurant, you know, they're having a tough time finding servers. And if you're taking out on the servers, well, then you really got to look yourself in the mirror and say, hang on a minute. Uh, give these guys a pass because at least they showed up and they're working. In our world, we're starting to see that that expectation is bleeding over into our world. And that's why I'm really hammering on our our reputation online and how we do things day in and day out. And that's why we're very proud to say 40% of our business comes from repeat or referrals from customers. Now, are your, uh, the guys that work for you, are they independent contractors or are they actually employees of the firm? So they're employees. Uh, I do that to control the uh, quality. I also do that because I don't want to get caught by the IRS saying I didn't do it because I do dictate where they go each and every day. Uh, they're in my trucks. They wear my uniforms. So technically, they're employees. And that makes it an expensive business model in contracting, which historically, we have done 1099 uh, contractor basis. Yeah. Well, but you get to control the quality, though. That's the, the difference is that's the, what I was asking or what I was meaning there is, Okay, they have to show up in your uniforms and your trucks so that 
they get that consistent experience versus, you know, some guy just showing up in a truck that you don't know that they're actually with the company and everything else. Exactly right. Love it. All right. Well, um, if you're ready, we can shift to the fast five questions. Oof. All right. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Come Let me at you with these. All right. So number one, you wake up in the morning, business is gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live and, and food to eat. What are you going to do first? First thing I'm going to do is um, I built a pretty strong network of other business owners. Yeah. Um, and what I do feel, uh, a lot of the other business owners that I do know, they're all looking for a handyman service to be able to provide to their customers. Mm-hmm. And I would probably go knock on the door and say, look, you want to start a handyman business? I'm here. Let's go do it. I'll take care of all your, your HVAC or plumbing. They have to mix up or mess up some drywall to do some work. Well, we can start fixing the drywall. And then you in turn can start to refer us work and other stuff. And I can in turn get into other houses and refer back. So that was a great question. Uh, I, I think immediately what I would do is probably take uh, 50 of those bucks and probably buy a bourbon and wallow myself in pity. Uh, and then I would get started. <laughs> then I got to get started at this point. That's eight, eight, ten in the morning, and then we'll go from there. That's right. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Holding on to a toxic employee too long. Uh, not only did that cost me a lot of management time and focus, but it actually also cost me a lawsuit. And uh, when when that happens, even though I was in the right, I was not able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. All right. What is a good book that you would recommend for our audience? I think a lot of people, if you haven't heard of the E-Myth book, uh, that's one. I think it's a very popular one to refer to, but that's one that actually helped me get out of my own way when I first started the business. And that's the principle of you can be a technician, a manager, an entrepreneur, the big picture thinker. I was never the best technician or handyman, even though I was in the truck and know how to do it. It was the management to entrepreneur part that I uh, had a tough time reconciling when I should do what. Yeah, makes sense. Makes total sense. What is a tool that you use in your business every day that you might recommend? So I'm old school when it comes to technology. Uh, and I say that now because I'm still learning how Google works uh, with all these different things. But I use Outlook. I use Outlook as my to-do manager. I use it as my calendar, as my scheduler. So I am starting to learn uh, how the Google online things will work, but I'm still stuck in Outlook. Once you convert, you'll never go back, dude. That's what I hear. It's, it's way easier. Yeah, it's way easier than it looked. Yeah, I, I resisted my team for almost, uh, I think it was probably three years. And finally, they I, they kept hammering on me and I relented and I've never gone back. I run every business on it now. Yeah, that's so, awesome. It's Here, amazing how it all works together. Yeah, yeah I, 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 yes, I hear you. Yeah, you sound like you, you sound like uh, I have a. I have somebody helps me with my social media and he's convinced yeah. me that you got to go to quick, uh, go to Google. Yeah, it'll happen. Once you go, you won't go back. All right, last question. What is your definition of freedom? My definition of freedom is getting up every day, solving problems, because I still like doing it. Um, I, You know, uh, not having to worry about money. Uh, now, right now in my business, I, you know, I still worry about cash flow. Um, yeah. And so I don't see myself ever getting out of that part. Uh, I do have an exit strategy for my business that, that, I, that I'm you know, currently working towards. Um, and... Right now, I, I never touched my retirement, so if I make it to sixty-two, I should be all right. Now, the odds of me making there, making it there, uh, is a little low. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but freedom for me is out there doing things. I really want to get out and uh, talk with people. Uh, I love the business. I love talking business, uh, but doing it on my terms and when I want to, and you know, doing it with enough money that I could put some money in my pocket. 
That's genius. What's the best way if somebody wants to get a hold of you or they're in the metro Atlanta area? What's the best way to get a hold of you? All right. In Metro Atlanta, the trustedtoolbox.com is our handyman company. You can get us there. You can always get me on LinkedIn, Chris Lalamia. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm the customer service.freak because I'm so into it. Uh, so I love doing it that way. Uh, you can always hit me up um, and check out maybe my podcast, The Small Business Safari, or I have my book, From the Zoo to the Wild. But if you want one way to get me, Chris at the trustedtoolbox.com. Email me and I have no problem emailing you back. I've, I've got a number of people. I put that out there in the universe, and I'm getting people actually taking me up on it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, and, uh, and let's just quickly, before we get out there, let's talk about the Small Business Safari. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, so a very similar to the audience that's listening to this, uh, I started it with a co-host of mine um, for people who are maybe thinking about taking that leap uh, from corporate America or corporate world and trying this whole world of small business uh, ownership, and then the struggles that we follow in scaling uh, our business. Uh, so we talk a lot about the scaling. Um, and then I talked about exit strategy, uh, you know, not having an exit strategy when you start, you know, I think is also something I've learned is that I did have an exit strategy when I started. Of course, guys know we're even close uh, to what I'm doing. I'm still after it, uh, doing it for 15 years. But um, so we have a lot of fun with it. You know, we um, we find it very conversational, have a good time with it. Um, gotten, had some great guests on uh, from all different uh, industries. Uh, so we do that. And of course, I love to throw it in my uh, co-host's face that I wrote a book and he didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the the book shares your story, correct? It is. It's called From the Zoo to the Wild. It uh, starts out with uh, me looking at this gorilla in the zoo here in Atlanta, thinking, well, look at you. You think you're the king of everything. And I realized as I walked away, that was me. Um, and okay. I talked about going out there and rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, and building up what I call my wolf pack. And and, and going out there and delivering customer service is obviously focused on the home services space. Uh, but I think it's anybody who has a gig economy worker uh, will find some value in it. That's brilliant. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Uh, your story is wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I think for people that are listening, just you got to do it and then you got to stick to it. I mean, that's that's the key is, is sticking to it when it gets tough and it, it will get tough. Um, and you are looking at somebody and listening to somebody who was able to get in the middle of a recession and build a business and then keep being successful. Uh, so don't stop and listen to the news and say, well, I'm not going to do this. Just figure it out and do it. I hear you. I love it. And don't worry about it. If you're at 3.30 in the morning, curled up on the couch, crying yourself and trying to figure out what happened and why you did what you did, I've been there many a time. Yeah. So you just got to yeah, I've, I've been there as well. So... Or uh, been there, done that, and and have the T-shirt to show it. That's right. Do it, though. Get out there and do it. So, folks, uh, thank you, Chris, for being on. And, um, folks, we do the show twice a week. So, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we drop shows. Um, we'll drop Chris's show, and then we'll also have a show with me talking a little bit about the Freedom Day concepts. And on top of that, the upcoming Freedom Day book, which is coming out here very soon. And there will be a special offer for listeners to get on there and get it for a very, very low price so that you can enjoy the Freedom Day story. So with that, thank you very much for being on, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. And look forward to seeing you all here next time, next time on the Freedom Nation channel.